Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Joined this week by Karen Collins. Karen, how are things? I'm good, Mark. Yourself? Great, great. All good now. I suppose this episode, Karen, we'll look at Munster Senior Hurling Championship game down in Cork last weekend. Cork and Tipperary played an absolute classic. We'll also look at round three of the Lancet Senior Hurling Championship. And also look at Joe McDonald Cup as well, round four in the books, leading to an exciting round five. Going to be an action-packed podcast episode. We'll also look at the minors and under-20s inter-county-wise from Munster and Leinster. And also look at Waterford Clare Munster Senior Hurling Championship game this weekend as well. I suppose, Karen, let's start with the Munster Senior Hurling Championship down in Parky Keeve. But my God, what a classic delivered by Cork and Tipperary. Uh, Sunkiss Parky Keeve, I suppose your thoughts? Absolutely, Mark. Yeah, it was a game we were all waiting for. I think you know there was a couple of naysayers and, and a couple of weeks leading to the championship where they were saying that there wasn't enough goals. And you know, I think the last two games people have been involved in, there was eight goals. The first there were six here. Uh, I think from the start, Cork looked explosive. Like you know, the first five minutes, they just ran direct at tip, and you know they had probably three three goal good goal chances, and they, they took the third one. Which I think I'll get to in a minute, but you know, they just really trouble tip at the start. They ran at him, had him in all sorts of water. And I think to be fair to to tip to kind of weather the storm and you know, Cork led by one three to two points, but from then I think tip took full control of the game. They they struck ten of the next eleven points, you know, showing complete dominance. And you know, in that period as well, Jason Four goes off, which we've talked about four being its own partner for Tip and he's their talisman, but I think Tip dealt with this very well. They could have gone the other way from, but you know they they ploughed on what they were doing and it didn't seem to affect him. Now whether he would have contributed to a possible win, you know, no one will ever know. But and I, I hear the news is is good for Ford, so he's he went off more as a precaution and uh, he'll be fitting in the next day for Limerick. So, but I think yeah, Tip just really took over the the dominant. You know, they were just second quarter that first half, they were just unbelievable. You know, they, I think they they bossed the game. And uh, I think Cork were playing tips game from then on. You know, to be fair to Cork, I suppose they battled back. You know, Flynn goal came. There was a couple of factors in this. He, he he kind of got through two, I call them half tackles. You know, I think if um, Lynn Cahill is looking back, you know, like O'Flynn should be putting his hole really. You know, you don't want a guy like this running the call. But, and then the second factor there was the steps. There was a huge amount of steps. Uh, and should have been pulled back for free out. But it didn't. The goal was left or the goal stayed. And Disappointing fact for O'Flynn was he went off injured after that, so he came into the cost. But, you know, Cork were in the game. It was 14 points to 2-6 after this, and I suppose they battled their way back in. And I suppose Cork kind of, they had a back level in 45 minutes, 45th minute. You know, I think Tip kind of clicked up a year again and went five five ahead. And I suppose then Cork's late burst came. You know, there was three goals in the last 10 minutes, but Cork outscored Tip by 2-4 to 1-2 uh, in the last few, 10 minutes or so. The classic really it'll go down as it was an unbelievable game from end to end. If you're looking at it, while there are lots of positives, there'll be probably negatives too for both managers. I think for Cork, letting Tip being so dominant in that second quarter would be a huge worry. You know, I think they, they started so strong, but then they just went out of the game completely. It's just Tip scoring 10 out of 11 points, you know, that just can't happen in this grade, you know. And I suppose they were lucky that you know, some of them chances didn't need to go to Tipperary. They could have been further ahead. I think had Robbie O'Flynn's goal been disallowed for steps, Cork would have been going into that um, halftime break a lot more down. And, you know, it's it's a harder, you know, it's a harder start to the second half if you're clawing back a lead that, or into a lead like that. But 
you know, however, I think for Tip, if they're looking back at it, they're, they've leaked seven goals in two games. You know, we've talked about how many goals this Tip team are scoring, but they're also leaking a lot of goals. And I think if you if you look at them all back, I think at least five or six of these goals are from my teams just running direct to Tipperary down the middle. I think that's something Liam Carroll will look at coming into the last two games. I'm not sure is this down to inexperience or, you know, especially full-back. They've kind of had a rotating full-back between um, Breen and Brian O'Mara. And, you know, is it is this a factor? But, like, if they don't get this right, teams are going to exploit this and they're, they're going to attack it every time. Yeah, look, I think I think Tip will probably feel they left the, the win behind. You know, bar the first few minutes, I think Tip were in control of the game. Obviously, a point isn't a bad result for both teams, but I think I think Tipperary out of both teams would be would disappointed. I'd, I'd concur with you there, Karen. Certainly, I think Tipperary. We, we kind of tipped this a few weeks ago in our last podcast that we thought Tipperary would really come pretty strong down in Parkview. So it proved. I suppose there's so many positive aspects to that Tipperary performance. So top midfield wise, Alan Tynan is just growing with each and every game here, Karen. I suppose four points again from the Ross Gray club, man. But the run game from Alan Tynan had created endless opportunities here for Tipperary inside the forward line. I suppose that was the other positive you alluded to Jason Ford's injury. But by God, the young Tipperary forwards on the day, Leslie Giroud, O'Connor, Mark Hill coming in with 1-4, the bench impact as well. So I know there's a draw here, but I mean, consider 12 months prior, Progression has been seen here in the Tipperary side, and I suppose Liam Cahill and Michael Bevins can work with that. Yeah, and I think if you look at the team, like from finishing last year, going into this year, there's been a couple of players which will be go down as a find when Tipperary look back at the at this year at the at the end of the year. I think uh, Tyler will be one of them. I think Rory Connor will feature Brian O'Mara as well. You know, I think they're three really good players, and you're talking players in the spine of the team. You know, I think players that will be around for years to come. I think also with time in midfield, Noel McGrath, you know, I think another masterclass. Saw a stat there, he was on um, 20 possessions during the game. And if you saw the map of where the possessions were, like they literally covered between the two 21s. Like, you know, he was everywhere. The distribution of the ball and towards the forwards as well. I think it's, um, you know, he's a huge player for him. And, you know, yeah, while there is a good mix of players for Tipperary this year, there is going to come a stage where they're going to see a lot of the older guys step away. And I think... No McGrath is probably one of them at 34. You know, Shamie Cannon, Bonner Marr, you know, Rowan Marr as well, and they're huge players for Tipperary. Okay, the, the younger guys are stepping up, but, uh, you know, I think this is the year, okay, they're getting experience into these younger guys, but there, there's a lot of lads who are going to have to be replaced in the next few years. I think it, it won't stop at this year for Tipperary. You know, I think the work will have to continue for a couple of years to, you know, maybe the the Tipperary 20 team or, you know, the minor team that won the All-Ireland last year, they're going to need a couple of these guys to stand up because there's some big players going to step away from this Tipperary team in the next few years. Noel McGrath, as you said, was absolutely phenomenal uh, during the contest. I suppose switching to Cork here, Karen. the one word I have here is resiliency. I suppose they did have a good start, the three goal chances, but obviously they had their struggles, particularly in that middle third, but Tipperary, particularly with Noel McGrath, the ability to switch play up and create those attacking opportunities inside. Pat Ryan has to be credited here, Kieran. Changes were required. Again, 1-5 coming off the bench, likes of Shane Kingston, Hayes, and also Conor Lehan as well. Nine different scores. So I suppose from a Cork management perspective, probably pleasing that there was a bit of resiliency there, but also the end, you know, the fight back and also the ability to execute those goal scoring chances at the bet. So, again, more maybe positives for Cork as well, uh, the negatives in this game. 
Yeah, I think what Pat Ryan has that some managers don't have. He he has um he has a huge you know selection of players um, at his disposal. Okay, some of these players are very similar in 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 type, like they're you know fast running players, but he has options. You know, and I think if one guy isn't working out, there's there's someone on the bench as good to to step in. And I think the one difference this car team this year so far, still early in the year, but compared to last year. Is, is a bit of fight, you know, they're working a lot harder, the forwards are getting back, you know, a lot more tackling, um, blocking, hooking, you know, they're, they're they're just working a lot harder as a unit. They are still a little bit reliant, they, they still need, I think, Horgan in there, they still need Shami Harnady, big player guys that these young guys have to develop into, I think, the, you know, there's a, a little bit more to do, but definitely the, the work rate, and I suppose, you, as you mentioned there, the resilience, like, they, they never give up, as I, I said earlier, like Cork were playing Tipperary's game for a big part of that game, but they kept coming back. When you're going into the 67 minute and you're you're five points down, you know I think Cork teams in the past might have maybe give up, you know, and threw their hat at it. But I think this team just kept fighting, and you know, huge scores coming off the bench. You know, look at Robbie O'Flynn forced off and having the likes of Shane Kingston to come on, who's probably can be an argument made that he's a better uh, sub as a start compared to a starter he you know he's a huge impact coming off the bench but when you have these players on the bench Cork have the players there can never be an excuse for that like what other teams might have but it's the work rate that has increased this year it's you know it's tenfold from what it was and uh, I'd be very impressed in, in, in Cork's fight back I suppose the one area that would worry me is that going out of the game for that period where, where Tipperary scored 10 points another day there's no way back from that you know, but I think they, they did show a fight, which they haven't shown in years in years gone by. It's going to get tougher for Cork going beyond the road, obviously, to Clare next time out in Cusick Park. Monster game and also Limerick. That could be a titanic struggle in TUS Gaelic grounds as well. So I think for Cork, you know, the warning has been served. I suppose, can I get your thoughts, Karen, in terms of Darth Fitzgibbon, Charleville club man, chipped in with a goal and two points during the contest, but... That 11 half forward position, did that work for you? No, I don't think it is. I think I think you, when you associate Arfus Gibbon with any position, it's, it's midfield. I think you saw that the last day against Waterford. I think he, he came in, he's very little, no hurling done this year. And I thought he had a, a huge game uh, against Waterford last week. I guess it's something that had to be tried. Or it won't be the last bit of experimentation from Cork this year. But I think for me, I think Fitzgibbon is the, the man in the middle and the, the work he brings. You know, I think they're. I don't know, are they looking at, you know, guys to win ball? They are reliant on Harnedy in, you know, instead of forward. But for me, I think uh, Fitzgibbon's best position, as we've seen over the years, has been midfield. I think he's he's been one of their best players. He did come into it very strongly there, particularly in the second half. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one here for Pat Ryan, how he evolves, how he gets Darrell Fitzgibbon definitely in the game. You know, his pace in the middle third will create an awful lot of problems for opposition. I suppose... It'd be remiss of us not to mention the Darfords given incident actually in the opening period with Ron Amar. Another headshot here, um, Kieran. I mean, Seamus Fannigan's incident against Waterford was well and truly, you know, ridiculed uh, to breaking point. But I suppose, again, another headshot here. And I know we'll talk about Joe McDonald Cup as well with young Kylie from Offaly. It's becoming a bit of a trend here, Kieran, isn't it? I mean, from an officiating standpoint, it needs to be clapped down here. Yeah, I think from from the top down, uh, I think we, we see it in rugby. We don't like to compare sports, but we see with um, and it's rugby across the world. It's the whole rugby union. 
taking a huge stance on, on protecting players and uh, especially with the heads, you know. Some people say they're wearing helmets for this reason, but, you know, there's more to it than that. You know, I think they need to do more. And I think uh, probably as a refereeing, more needs to be done to stamp it out. You know, when you have challenges like that going in, look, it's, it's a fast game. Things can happen, but regardless of that, headshots, it should be penalised because the only way they're going to stamp it out is by by uh, heavily penalising it. And uh, until they do that, it's going to continue. But it needs to be... If you're going to highlight one one incident in one game, it has to be highlighted in every game. I think you just can't pick and choose, and depending on who the team is or who the players are, it needs to be highlighted across the board. Absolutely, completely agree with you there, Kieran. Magnificent game uh, in Parky Keeve. I mean, it really sets up Munster Senior Hurling Championship beautifully, doesn't it? Going into the last few rounds here, Karen. And I suppose we can go to this weekend in Munster. I mean, we have Waterford, who are really backs against the wall here. I know there's been an awful lot of criticism within Waterford on the team's performance, particularly against Cork and Porky Keeve, against a clear side that are flying high, particularly in the minor under 20, that glorious victory over Limerick and TUS Gaily Grounds in round two. I suppose, Kieran, from your perspective, another fascinating game to look forward to on Saturday night. Yeah, and I suppose because of the result last Saturday night and with the draw, it, it opens it back up for Waterford. You know, two wins. I think we saw it last year with Cork. Cork uh, lost the first two games as well and uh, managed to come out of Munster being one of the three. I think for Waterford, if they can get two wins on the board, they're not out of it mathematically. I think if you look at it, Waterford didn't perform badly in the Limerick game. I think they performed well. Now, if you look at the result, I suppose they played most of that game, or not most of that game, but most of the second half with uh, one extra man and, and didn't make a count. But I think physicality-wise, obviously they had a certain tactic of stopping Limerick. I think that was their biggest downfall, was to concentrate more on stopping Limerick as opposed to going to actually win the game themselves. And I think they probably put a lot into that game. And I think we saw the hangover when it came to the car game. You know, a six-day turnaround after a huge physical encounter. I'm going to, let's say, allow it, it would take a soul in players. And maybe we didn't see the true or the real Waterford we'd, we'd hope to see. I think with a, with a week's break, going into this clear game, there's a couple of ways you can look at Clare, like Clare, who had been very close to beat Limerick last year, you know, they drew three times in, in uh, over the year, um, finally getting one over Limerick and beating them the last day out, you know, how did they react from this game, you know, the, I suppose the spotlight is on Clare a little bit more than it was, they're on two points, they're two games to play as well, you know, they need a result, you know, because they, they need to secure their own passage through Munster and, and possibly maybe even into a Munster final. But I, I would have to, you'd have to res, res, uh, expect uh, a kickback from Waterford as well. They've been, you know, the last day they were, they were you know, there were passengers in the game. They were second best. I, I think if anything, Dave, you would have to rile them up. You know, there has to be some sort of a kickback. Uh, it's a, a derby for him, like, you know, a clear man uh, managing, managing Waterford. You'd expect a kickback. Whether it be enough, I suppose, remains to be seen. I think I, I would still tip Clare to win it. I think they've they kick on from the Limerick game. You know, Turles to them, it's like a second home. You know, we, we've seen how well they've performed there over the years. Yeah, I, th- I still think we'll t- t- Clare will come out with the win, but I, I do expect a, a stronger Waterford than what we've seen the last day, especially against Cork. To be honest with you, that round two performance was not indicative of what we saw with Waterford in the opening round game against Limerick and I think the parallels between Limerick and Waterford's performance in round two were pretty striking in terms of 
the the energy levels i would think that was such a physically attritional battle between limerick and waterford and turles in that opening round game i suppose from claire's perspective the euphoria that has gone on after that limerick win and quite rightly so taking one you know and putting down the all-iron champions local neighbors there's been an awful lot of euphoria here it's how this care team perform on Saturday is going to be very intriguing to me. This can go one or two ways that the confidence can breed performance improvements, or it could go absolutely the other way here, Karen, as well. And I think Brian Lohan and management, I'd say, have been probably guarding on that flip side here to really get the team honed in uh, to produce performance. As you said, if only two points on the board here and a loss against Walford could be absolutely devastating for the Munster and All-Ireland aspirations. Yeah, and look, it happened last year. They took Limerick all the way in a, in a Munster final and, you know, it, not in charge of an implode after that. Barely getting over a Wexford team who I think Wexford would feel that they should have won that game. And, and then, you know, the, we all remember the forms Kenny in the, in the semi-final. It, it'll be either two ways. It was a, the kick on. And I think if they do, you know, you'd have to fancy them to, to go all the way to the Munster final because their last game at home to Cork, you know, Cork will be battling too. But I think home advantage, you know, could be really important in that game. So I think depending on this results, I think if Clare do win this game, Clare could be the team that will end up in a in the Munster final. I do I do think Clare at home, they've made Ennis a bit of a fortress over the over the, over the years, and um, you know, there'll be hard turn over there. But it all depends on how they, they react from that that win. You know, will it? I suppose give them more confidence that they would have had, knowing that they. They'd beaten the best, and and that they they weren't that far away last year either. But you know, I expect after last year that's they would have learned a lot of lessons from last year. It's hard to put a finger on what went wrong last year. I suppose they put so much into that one game. Was it physical exhaustion? It's hard to know. But I'm sure they'll have learned a lot from last year and bring it into this year. My only hope here, Karen, is that Waterford do deliver a performance, you know, make this an absolute titanic struggle. And, and to be perfectly honest, Davy Fitz, I think his managerial career is on the line here. If it's another flat, uninspired performance from Waterford, I mean, where does Davy go from here uh, from a Waterford perspective? So you'd hope to see the likes of Austin Gleeson start from minute one here. But I think it's a huge game for Davy Fitz, even more so than Waterford, really, to really kind of uh, set down the marker here that this team and Davy kind of mean business in this championship. The only thing I'll say about it is Davy will have an out because, you know, you look at Waterford's records in round robins, they've won one game from 14, yeah. you know, and that's gone through three or four different managements. So I think in that regard, if they don't win this weekend, and I, I think if they don't win this weekend, they won't win against Tipperary in the last game. You know, it'll be hard to see Davy carrying on into next year, but I think he'd have an out because the record is poor and I, I don't know why, you know, it's hard to put a finger on it. I, I do I do agree that his record will be on the line, but he'll have he'll have an out with that uh, something amiss in Waterford when it comes to Ron Robbins. And I think certainly the criticism down in Waterford interesting. Uh, I think it's more to do with the panel of players. They reckon that the panel of players are well good enough to win these Munster Championship games. So I think as you say, Davy has a bit of an out here, but I think Davy being such a passionate hurling man that he is will look to kind of really kind of build a bit of momentum here for Waterford going into the Munster Senior Championship last round of games. So I think that'll be interesting. So I'm kind of hedging here, uh, Kieran, that you fancy Clare to win this one? I fancy Clare to win, but I also think that Waterford will bring a, a, a huge performance. I think they're playing for pride a little bit more now. 
I expect a different Waterford team than we saw the last day out. I expect the work rate to be a lot, a lot higher, the intensity to be a lot higher. Uh, I do expect, uh, as he leaves to start, if they have any chance, you know, Tiger Burke is, is a huge loss. You know, I don't think they managed that well the last day. Callum Lyons, one of their best go-to forward players from, from wing back, tying him down as a centre-back, I think for me, was a bad decision. I do expect a, a bigger performance from Waterford, whether it be enough or not, who knows. But I think I think Clare will look to kick on. I think Clare will have aspirations that they, they, they left the Munster final behind them last year, that they'll, they'll want to, to get back there this year and try and put it right wrong. I'd agree with you there. I think vastly improved Waterford performance, but I'm looking at that Clare forward line here. There's so many threats here, Karen. I mean, Aidan McCarthy's been an absolute revelation this year. Reedy as well. Tony Caddy, just, you know, he was superb in the last round, wasn't he? Around the middle third. So I would be hedging for Clare here, but I think that'll be another Titanic game on Diego service. I think, uh, so- Mar- I think McCarthy has really, he's really helped Kelly. You know, I think Kelly last year felt he was the man. He had to do everything himself. But I think McCarthy has taken a lot of pressure off Tony Kelly. You know, he can play his own game. We're not expecting as many scores out of him. I think some people think that Kelly isn't as influential, but I think he doesn't have to be because McCarthy's there. I think Mark Rogers as well. He's a huge plus yep. up there as well. You know, you know, guys. I thought they were playing poor. Ryan Taylor. I thought was having a bad year, but then the last day he was he was exceptional. You know, so and then you look at Aaron Shire, Aaron Shanahan coming on, who I would have, I would say he was, you know, a bit of an enigma of a player, but scoring two great points at the end as well. So it's all seemed to be coming together for Clare. Maybe one or two question marks at the back still, you know, they did concede five goals to Tipperary. Okay, there was three mistakes in that, but I suppose if it happens once and it's happened to, you know, you could never write it off happen again. Um, so there will be question marks defensively. Work rate, going on the last game against Limerick, work rate and intensity and just as well as the efficiency of their forwards. They answered a lot of, criti- answered a lot of quiz- critics last day and definitely a serious contender for the Ireland series. Yeah, and uh, I think they have to kind of really show that on Saturday night. If they really want to be considered an absolute genuine Munster champion and also All-Ireland finalist and even Lee McCarthy winner, they have to really be putting Waterford to the sword here pretty convincingly. So I think it'll be a good game. Yeah, I do fancy Clare by four or five points. Peter Duggan as well has really come into form as well. I know we were kind of questioning him as well in the last few weeks, but my God, once he saw the green jersey, Limerick, he kind of got inspired as well. I suppose we can leave Munster here, Kieran, and move to the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship. So round three in the books last weekend. Now, to be perfectly fair, we're not. We're going to kind of glance through the Antrim, Kilkenny game, Westmead, Galway. I mean, there were two impressive victories from Kilkenny and Galway, but I suppose those two victors really don't really get a whole pile from those games here, Kieran. No, no, I don't think so, Mark. Kilkenny set the stall out early. You know, they were really strong. You know, 12 different scores. It's 4-16 to have one seven and a half time. The game was over. Massey Keown in the first half, Hattrick, you know, really soft the game. Maybe one one worry for them was conceding three goals. I think for Antrim, look, he scored 320, and another day that would be enough to win any game, but Kilkenny just, you know, they were definitely going to win from the, from the start. I think for Galway, look, it's an all show. Like, I mean, Westmead, with all respect, they, they have a few injuries. You know, I think their talisman, Killian Doyle, is out. They're, they're really struggling. You know, how does the team stay going week on week from league into championship just taking beat after beating? You know, I think a beggar's question, like, would they be better off in the lower division being competitive? You know, I just don't see what they're gaining from, where does the motivation come for, for this team week on week taking beatings? You know, Niall O'Brien at, at, at 10 points, nine from freeze, David Glenn at two points, and 
apart from that, it was five different scores at one point, you know, so they're really struggling to put scores on the board. They're playing top class opposition. I, I just question, I think, would Westmead be better off in a lower division, be more competitive? I just don't see what they're getting from 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 the the top team hurling, Division 1 hurling. How it's going to bring them on any further, I just fail to see it. I mean, particularly for Westmead, if they had the full complement of players, at least you could give it a little bit of a rattle and you might get the occasional Wexford draw in Mullingar last year. But my God, like look at the injury list that they do have here, Karen, and it's... It, to be if the bunch of the group of players and Joe Fortune to as you say go week in week out and really try to prepare as best they can and getting absolutely tumped. There's no what, easy way to say it, but like getting absolutely tumped in each game, you have to admire the bravery and the resilience here. But yeah, it's been a tough season for Westmead. I mean, look, Conor Whelan was hauled off at half time. He'd already three one on on the scoreboard. There was 13 scores from Galway during that 70 minutes. So, yeah, I mean, the two teams, Galway and Kilkenny, you know, two more points on the board and uh, looking at bigger challenges. I suppose our focus here, Karen, was in Crow Park. Uh, Dublin, who switched their game from Parnell Park to Crow Park, facing Wexford. And, I mean, a very topsy-turvy affair, one would say here, Karen. And uh, Dublin on top by two points, I suppose, your reaction to the, re- the result here being down in Wexford. Disregarding the score from it, I think Dublin were actually the better team in play. I think they they seemed to be a bit more organised than what Wexford were. Um, they took their scores easier than what Wexford did. They were economical, is what I'd say, in front of goal. You know, there wasn't much between them at any stage. Like, but Wexford never led. They're always neck and neck, but Wexford never got in front. Drew level on the seventy-fourth minute, but you know, I think the two late uh, Donald Burke frees in to to see the win for Dublin. Dublin were, as I said, they were really efficient with the goal. They had 29 shots in goal, scoring 23 times, 79%, which is very good, very good um, percentage. But if you compare that to Wexford, they had 48 shots in goal. Huge number of shots in goal, but only scored 23 times, which is 40, 47% accuracy. You know, I think that's was the, the losing of the game there. They were creating chances, awful amount of wides. But I think if you look at the wides, I think a lot of them were... You know, a lot of them, 11 of the 19 coming in the second half were from far out the field, you know, 60, 70 yards out. I think we actually struggled with this for the last few years, you know, taking the wrong option. You know, maybe working the ball one more pass, getting into close to the goal, into better shooting. You know, I think that it's the decision-making, for me, it's what's letting them down there. You know, they, they are creating chances, but it's just the wrong chances completely. You know, I think on top of the 19 wides, there's six shots drop short as well. You know, but you could add to that telling. So it's just wrong. It's wrong, bad decision making. I think as well. You know, look at Lee Chin. He was named full forward, but he was playing between the half back line and, and the two midfielders. You know, I think Chin needs to be close to the goal. I think you know, you we've named the Wexford threats over the over the weeks, and you know, Lee Chin and Roy O'Connor, the two main men, and they, they just need to be in there. They need to be close to the goal. You know, he can't be everywhere. And and to be fair to Lee Chin, he at times he was. I think he, he fought, he fought all game and, and really and really did, you know, did himself a lot of justice. But, you know, it's just, yeah, Wexford are creating the chances, but they're just the wrong chances completely. And I think, you know, Darry Egan's taking a lot of blame, but I suppose the manager and can only do so much too. You know, they, they, they were probably second fiddle to Dublin, but they, they had every chance. And I think one more thing to look at as well is their the free-taking. We, we've, we've highlighted that... You know, Lee Chin, he's not a natural free free taker. 
they had five wides from free, so five uh, scored nine from fourteen. So even if they like look at Dublin, they had thirteen or sorry, ten from ten, um, which was a hundred percent conversion rate from freeze. So even that alone, not having a you know a natural free taker, that could have been the winning of the game for Wexford. I think as well the goal, which is probably the, the the I suppose the main difference between the teams could have been dealt with better. I think James Lawler probably lacks a bit of experience in this grade. You know, should have came to it. It was a soft goal, really. Yeah, I think it's probably a, a bit of regret looking back for extra that creating so many chances. I think it's just the the nature of the wides. You know, I think a lot of the you know it's it's where from out the field and even some of the wides that weren't there were close to the goal. They were they were scoreable, and I think that's what's frustrating more. I don't think it's the loss. I don't think it's towards the management, even though they are getting a bit of slack this week. But I think it's just the nature of the wides is is what frustrates the team or the the fans the most. Yeah, indeed. I think there's been a recurring trend there, as you said, for many a year. I suppose Darry Egan's comments there post-game was kind of, look, we created the opportunities. But I would also counter here, uh, Kieran, that last year there was some wide count issues as well. thought maybe a little bit better coaching maybe on the training ground, really on those sort of situations should have been ironed out. You think of the likes of Rory O'Connor here inside, you know, giving good quality ball inside, you would definitely be getting more of a shot proficiency rate there. But... Um, Going back to Dublin here, Kieran, how good is Donald Burke? I think Donald Burke's one of the best hurlers in the country. Unbelievable striker the ball. You know, like as we said there, 10 frees to score all 10. Every county needs one of these guys. I think he's one of a striker the ball. I think he's our, he's our talisman. I think he Donald Burke is probably one of the definitely top five or six hurlers in the country. Look, he's consistently delivering for the Dublin week in, week out. And I mean, for me, all Donahue, this is a massive result given that they're now on five points after three games. Now, the schedule gets considerably tougher away to Kilkenny and UPMC, Nolan Park, like Kilkenny, looking for that win straight off the bath to kind of qualify themselves to, to Leinster final. And then they've got all the way in Crow Park then to kind of finish things off. So, I mean, from a Dublin perspective, I thought it was very workmanlike performance, likes of Crummy, Keno Sullivan as well. Yes, you know, very workmanlike and as you said, the shot proficiency rate was very good. But again, I think they realised themselves that better teams, if you're going to give that many amount of opportunities in a game, other good teams are going to basically punish them. So I think it'll be interesting watch here for Dublin to see what lessons they've learned in the league, particularly going down to Nolan Park to play Kilkenny next time around here, Kieran, to see is, is Dublin going to be considered a force here in Leinster uh, for this year. Yeah, I think Chris O'Leary as well. I mean, that's a lot of this mark midfield. It's had a very good game. Yeah. Um, look, I think Dublin, they, they were impressive. They, I, I thought they were the better team, with, uh, even though we actually had created a lot more chances. But I think what, when Dublin were on the ball, they, they got their scores easier. They made it look, you know, they, they were more, they were more, I thought, well-drilled than, than what we actually were. But I think, yeah, look, bigger tests to come. I think they'll, I think Dublin might rue that, um, Losing the points to in um, Antrim, that draw in Antrim. I think the, you know, I think okay, they they it's not a draw, but I think they they might rule that because I think Wexford mathematically still aren't out, even though everyone tipped this game to be the, you know, whoever wins this game will finish third. You know, uh, Wexford have Westmead at home uh, next weekend, and the last game they have to Kenny at home. Now historically, Wexford. In, in the last few years, haven't feared Kilkenny and have a good record over Kilkenny. So, you know, I'll be at Dublin. I I think have five points now and could finish the the round robin on five points. I don't see Dublin beating either Kilkenny or Galway. I 
think we've said this at the start that you know of the two teams, Wexford would be the one team that you'd fancy to get a scallop over a big team. And you know it will come down, I think, to that last day where Wexford will need to beat Kilkenny to have that chance of finishing third. Whether will they do it or not, I don't know. I, I think they'll have, um, I suppose, a game over Westmead to maybe build the confidence up a bit again and and try and improve facets like their their shot selection and you know and try and I suppose work on on shot selection more so and taking taking the right shots on you know instead of just these hail marys from 60, 70, 80 yards you know but if they go over they're great but too much risk for for what reward you're going to get instead of you know maybe one one or two more passes uh, through the lines in towards players like Chin and uh, Roy O'Connor who'll slot them over I think that's what we actually need to do a bit more. I think as well, actually, to kind of put the ball in, you know, Conor McDonald was dropped. Uh, I look, I think the the diehard Wexford fan will, will give out this, you know, he's a household name and that. But Conor McDonald has been, in my eyes, poor for the last year or two. You know, he hasn't been the player that he was underage, and maybe in the long run, it might do good being dropped. That's, you know, he might up his game a bit. I thought he did very well when he came on the last day, scoring two points. So. I expect to see Conor McDonald maybe starting for that Kilkenny game. Maybe put Conor McDonald in there with Chin and just put ball in on top of them and see how they go because, you know, give it to the guys who can score, basically, because they're, what they're doing, taking shots and left out the field, it's not working. I think the point in terms of the inside full forward line, I mean, if you had Lee Chin, Conor McDonald, two brilliant guys in the air, I think you have to utilise your strengths as Wexford. Like, they did the full effect in that All-Ireland quarterfinal against Clare last year as well, didn't they? You know, particularly in the second and third quarter, I mean, you have to use your assets here uh, if you're Wexford. And Rory O'Connor as well, for me, Kieran as well, has been underutilised, you know, heading out 40, 50 metres out the pitch. Rory O'Connor is more proficient when he's around a 21 uh, metre line and really running at the defenders and cornerbacks. So I think for Darry Egan and management, that Westmead game may be coming at the right time here to kind of get the Conor McDonald's back in, that Rory O'Connor's really to kind of get maybe a bit of confidence going in terms of scoring stakes because that Kilkenny game as you say is do or die for Wexford and probably for Dara Egan as well and management that uh, lost here and you mightn't see Dara Egan back with Wexford next season Yeah I think the, you know it will come down to like, the pressure is on the, this Westmead game probably has come at a good time for them I don't think you'll see a slip up like we did last year there'll be lots to work on I'm sure they're working on a lot this week in training I think they can use this game to to put some um, some of these you know into methods into into you know into, into perfection as well to try to perfect them, and it'll all be you know going home for the Kilkenny game last game because that will be effectively a, a cup final you know yeah you win you're true you lose you're out you know I think they, they definitely won't fear them they definitely won't fear Kilkenny when it comes to that game, but there's a lot of improvements needed if they have any hope of, of beating Kilkenny. Absolutely, but I mean, I think the trend, and we'll talk about the underage competitions as well, Wexford having a good win against Kilkenny and Northern Park there only this week, I mean, that should buy confidence within the county as well, so again, as you say, Wexford don't fear Kilkenny at the best times really, to be fair, so I think it's an interesting game to really look at, and we can preview those Leinster Senior Hurling Championship games next week here, Karen. I suppose we'll swiftly move on to Joe McDonough Cup, round four, get your reaction here to the key results. So Offaly are now 11 games unbeaten this season in senior. Again, a very comprehensive, impressive performance against Kerry in Tullamore, 124 to 16 points. Down in Carlow was a very high scoring affair in Ballygran. 
Carlo emerging 623 to 28 points win. But again, not only tells Taylor Tape, Tracy DiCarlo, keeper, pulled off magnificent saves, was up and down last week as well. And again, the locals were really marvelling at the Carlo goalkeeper's heroics on the day. And Leash had far too much for Kildare, who are now staring at a relegation final against Down. I suppose reactions there, Kieran, to those three games. Yeah, I suppose um, starting with Offaly and Kerry, you know, to be fair to Offaly, like they, they've had a, a a good number of weeks on the road now, bar one break week there, and uh, I think they'll use next weekend against Carlo to maybe switch things up a good bit uh, and get some, you know, some some time into the the players' legs, a bit of rest period into them because they, you know, they literally went from straight into from league into into the championship, and you know they've had a tough few weeks on the road, but they've been really impressive. I think. A lot of that comes from their defence. I think they were really, really organised defensively. I thought, you know, looking at the game, it was like probably a close first half. To, there was that wasn't much between them, but then the goal came, uh, and it was that was really was well separating of the teams. Forty-five minutes. I think Kerry were very wasteful times, but I, I think the last quarter, awfully just shut them down completely. You know, they really every close down any time a Kerry went to attack, they really shut them down. I think they awfully they had their kind of injury worries all along. There's some very good players. I think Dave Finale, sideline cut expert, you know, and then he gets one every game. Tal, who they've, you know, he, he's their talisman. They rely on him, you know, 13 points again. You, you know, huge scores week on week. You know, they're 70 minutes away from Lee McCarthy Hurling the first time since 2018. So, you know, they've so much to play for. One thing as well, I want to just make a kind of a, a remark on it, but the Charlie Mitchell awfully get there, I think, as well. He could be playing in two finals, over 20s, and, uh, so I done a final or separate in one day, so he could he could make the two finals in the one day. I'm not sure how I, how we'll um, work that one, but just the under twenties rules that you know you can't play seniors and the twenties in seven days. Only kind of only count the lighter then. It's not in place for tiers competitions, which makes no sense. I, you often wonder with the J where they come up with these rules, like the rule is in place for player protection and. And to prevent burnout. But what difference is it if you're playing Lee McCarthy hurling than Joe McDonough hurling or you know, any any grade? Uh, it just it's, it makes no sense. I think it's a rule to just need to scrap completely. You know, Terry Mitchell can play under 20s and senior, you know, anytime because he's in the Joe McDonough. But the likes of, you know, Billy Drennan, if he wasn't injured, or yeah. Adam English can't because they're playing Lee McCarthy. It, it just makes no sense. Um, just going to finish in that game on that note. I think regarding Carlo down, you know, Carlo put up a huge score again. Like they were 4-14 to 11 up at half time, And Carlo kind of hitting a bit of form at the right time. As you said, Mark, yeah, Brian Tracy pulled off some huge saves. Exceptional performance. As I said, they're coming into a bit of form. with awfully, we'd expect to make changes, you know, and they're playing Carlo this weekend. Does that open the door for Carlo to secure a place in the final as well? Most time will tell. Um, but looking at down, I think they'll take some positives. You know, but it was a heavy beating, but they scored 28 points. McCricker with 10 points, eight from freeze, and then you know, a young guy Fryn Turpin with five points from play, so great return. And I think they'll take that positive going into the last game, which is a you know a relegation battle really with Kildare. You know, Kildare the last day only scored 11 points, and that's you know you're looking at confidence. And while both teams are on a, a downwards spiral you know i think Kildare from where they were at the start of the year 
you know, they were unbeaten in the in the league to literally just imploding completely in uh in the Joe McDonald Championship. You know, it really is all to play for. I think Down will take the positive score and twenty eight points from uh, off Carlo into that game against Kildare. And I think, you know, Kildare the last day it, it does it's not getting any easier for him. You know, one twenty three to eleven points. Like slow start to the game. I think the there was a lot of errors and handling, and I think in the first 20 minutes, there's only one point in play from both sides, so it tells you the, the nature of the game. Leach were five points to two ahead in 25 minutes, and there's a 10 minute, 10 minute spell before half time where, you know, Leach kind of turned it on, and they went in nine points up at the break, and that's what that was the winning of the game, and that started it out, but, you know, I think clear in all sorts of water, six points from play, you know, four different scores, it, it's not good enough. You know, I, I thought you would really, really fear from going into this weekend against Down. I think, you know, Down haven't been shooting the lights out either, but confidence must be at an all-time low. 11 points in a championship game is just not good enough. I think for Leash, you know, they're, they're in a hunt. They're, okay, the, the fate isn't in their own hands. I think it'll all depend on the result in the Offaly Carlo game, but they are still in the hunt. I think if you strip it down and look at it, you know, you just said they're Offaly, you're unbeaten in what, 11 games. Leash have only won two um, out of 10 games. So, you know, if you're comparing the two teams, it hardly makes them a, a team who are deserving to, to progress to a final, really, and, and with the chance to go up to Lee McCarthy Hurdle next year. And as, as I said, there's, it's not in their hands. I do expect Carlo to, to get over Offaly, and, and that will be the, the final two teams in the in the, in the McDonough final. But I, I think for Leash, it's been, a, it's been a hard year, I think, for Leash. And I think Willie Maher has his work cut out on into next year. Absolutely, Karen. That was a great roundup of the game. So I think from an Offaly perspective, you kind of throw in, we're going to talk about the under-20s here in a little while. You throw in the under-20 provincial final next week, plus the fact that they're already qualified for the Joe McDonald Cup final. Inevitably, Johnny Kelly and management of Offaly are going to really rotate the squad around, aren't they? It's not going to make it any easier for Carlo here, because remember last year, Offaly and Tullamore against Carlo got turned over. I think there will be a little bit of a revenge mission here for whoever plays for Offaly against Carlo. So that's not a given by any stretch down in Netwatch, Cullen Park. I think, you know, the game really between Kerry and Leach, I mean, as you say, it really depends on that result in Carlo. But again, from a Kerry perspective, very disappointing last 25 minutes, wasn't it? It was just, you know, as you say, completely and utterly stifled in the forward line. And Offaly, you hitting the seven unanswered points really to really embellish the game as an 11-point margin. And as for Kildare, poor Kildare at this, t- at this stage, I think they're just running on empty now. I think all the eggs were put into the league basket. And unfortunately now, key injuries now to key players. I mean, James Burke was out again. Again, there's been kind of a lack of leadership, I would say, in the forward line. Defensively, they've struggled. Uh, again, it's just they haven't recovered after the 2A league final against Offaly. And again, some teams like Carlo have literally peaked at the right time. And that's at Joe McDonough Cup stage of the season. And to be perfectly fair to Carlo, they're scoring massively at the moment. I think they'll be a threat. Uh, I seriously do. I suppose we can look at these three games. Uh, Carlo, Offaly, Kerry, Leash, Kildare Down. I suppose, can we get your tips there, Kieran? Yeah, I suppose starting with Carlo and Offaly. Um, as we said, we expect Offaly to... to to run the changes and you know give the the players like you know maybe Cahill and and Charlie Mitchell and Dyke and Brian Dyke and all these guys uh, a rest for a week because they, they have they've had a lot of games in you know in, a, in what a 12 13 week period 
you probably have to, you know, Carlo, they have been on the up. I think they've improved game on game. Even in the the game against against Leash, like they were impressive clawing back into the game. But I, I you're, I'm gonna to have to say Carlo in that game because I think Offaly will. I, I saw something during the week where Offaly can choose who they play. You know that if they if they didn't want to play Carlo, they they could go out to try and beat them that weekend this weekend and and you know possibly face Kerry or Leash. But I think they'll fancy the break more than you know going on to play games like that. So I think Carlo win win that game. Kerry and Leash. You know, I suppose technically they're still in it. Um, they, they have a lot to play for. I think Kerry would be very, very disappointed this year. They've been so close in the last three seasons. For me, they were favourites for this year at the start of the year to win Joe McDonough. You know, we, we've probably highlighted over the last few weeks that the Conways, how good they are, Patrick Boyle, you know, it's the same guys every week. To, you know, and I think it's the same two or three guys they've been relying on. And I think they'd be very disappointed for Stephen Lumpy. I think they, you know, they, he made no cards about it. Like, this was the year they were going for. Like, they've been the bridesmaids so many times. But looking at this game, you know, Leash, they've, you know, they've had their, their two wins. You know, I, I think just home advantage, I, I'm going to give it to Kerry. I think that, I suppose, they are technically still in it, so the drive will be there to to, to try and get to that tournament on the final and, and put any runs for the last few years to, to bed and try and win it. But I think I'm going to give Kerry the nod there. And I think Kildare and Down, I think it's the hardest game to call, really. I know it's... A, a bit of a dead rubber, but it's it's not really because it's a it's a relegation playoff and you know Clare they are at home which will give them kind of a a bit of an advantage. But I suppose if you're looking at the uh, it's been a downward spiral really from the from the league final. It's just got worse week on week, and I think the return of eleven points last week it's just not good enough. You know there's you know it's it's just not. And I think for down down they probably had a mixed league and they've had a mixed. Uh, um, while taking positives from some of the Joe McDonough games, it hasn't been a great season either. So, but I think if you're looking at last weekend, you know, scoring 28 points will give him a kick and will give him a big boost. I'm just going to give it to Down just based on that. That looking at Kildare's scoreline last week wouldn't instill any much confidence in you. I'm sure they'll round up the troops and they'll have one good go at it. Um, they didn't become a bad team overnight. Albeit I know it was all league former business on. To go from the highs of being so close to Division One hurling to now the chance of being relegated from from Joe McDonough, it's you know to be dropped down in a couple of weeks. But I'm just going to give it to them just because of last weekend's performance. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, I suppose from my perspective, look, the prize is there for Carlo. They get a result against Offaly. They're true to face Offaly in a Joe McDonough Cup final in Crow Park. So I think from that perspective, it's a huge motivation for Carlo. There will be a big crowd in Carlo to support that team. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think just awfully with personnel changes here, they will give it a right rattle here. And for Carlo, I hope for their sake, this doesn't go into the last 10 minutes because we saw last year here, Karen, didn't we? Plenty of drama in Joe McDonough Cup, particularly in the last round, particularly in the last five, six minutes of the last round of games. So I think for Carlo, really need to be businesslike, professional, get this job done as soon as possible. Against an awfully side that are probably going to really kind of try a few new players out. Kerry Leash, I'm going to go Leash here. I think Leash are building up a nice bit of momentum in recent weeks. Kerry did not impress me in Tullamore. Again, were very wasteful in, in front of goal. And I think Leash a little bit are a step above. And I think from an awfully perspective, who do they want to play, who, who not to play in the final in Crow Park? I think it would be Leash. Because, I mean, that go back to that first round game in Tullamore, Leash controlled an awful lot of the exchanges 
only to be, you know, really thwarted by those awfully goals at opportune times. So I think from an awfully perspective, the, I, I don't want to be saying ideal, I don't want to be disrespecting here, but I think maybe Carlo is probably the, the team that probably would like to face most here. And then for Kildare Down, I think two teams in massive low ebb. I mean, in terms of Down, look at their league form. They got a controversial draw against Derry. That's been their only kind of positive result. Kildare, unless the key players come back, and I think there is speculation that one or two of them will come back, this is a 50-50 toss-up, really, to be perfectly honest. That I will still hedge for Kildare. I don't think, you know, if they were to lose this against Down, it would be a massive devastating blow for Kildare hurling, you know, inter-county uh, given all the progress that's been going on underage, the club games so I think, I'm just hedging it for Kildare, but I mean, this is going to be an absolute nervy game right up until the final whistle and I think that is where the drama could actually unfold in Hockfield uh, COE. I suppose before we leave here, Karen, can we look at the under 20 and minor championships in Leinster and Munster I suppose let's start with Munster first what an incredible week for Clare Hurling underage. Unbelievable, yeah. I suppose starting with the minors, you know, geez, we, we've even gone before even starting to that, like, you know, I think there was two years ago, all the bad vibes and news coming out of Clare, you know, over the Carlo and the, the centre of excellence they have and, you know, just the whole county board and everything was in, in, up in ruins and in tatters. But the turnaround in, in two years, you know, it's, it's extravagant, really. Yeah, looking at the Munster final, you know, the first one in twelve years. I think they, they were it was never in doubt for, for, for Clare. I think Owen Begley's goal sparked a, a one four to no score run that was the win of the game really. I think Cork were poor, especially in the second half. They didn't score for the first sixteen minutes of the second half. You know, and, and they only they only scored six points in total. So I think Clare well deserved and you know, they'd be going into a, an All Ireland series now. Um, playing the loser of Galway Kilkenny, which will, will probably bring it up another grade again. I think this Galway Kilkenny game is set for Friday. I think isn't it the, the, it the is the final? Yeah. yeah. I suppose if you look at the the two, I suppose Galway will go into a hot favourites. I think from the start they've been they've been impressive. I think Young Aaron Island is you know a player we've heard about a lot in the last few weeks, and they probably will be the team to beat going into the Friday night. But I suppose looking at the twenties end for Clare. This Leinster final for a place in the final against Cork as well. I suppose it was a tame game really up until the closing stages. The the sides were level at the break. Players was were a little bit wasteful in the first half. Did nine wide to Tipperary's two. Um, Tip did have a few goal chances. I suppose they went to miss, and I don't think the weather's condition the weather conditions helped either. But I suppose when that clear goal came in the twenty seven minute second half to go four ahead, and then I suppose the other you know late goal to, to compound the win and. You know, I think it's been a huge week for Clare underage hurling. To, to play Cork in the, in, the, in the Munster final, I do think that Cork team, the Twins team, are very, very good. Probably would make Cork favourites for that game, based on, the, on what we've seen so far this year. But, you know, it's a final at underage. Who knows what can happen? Either way, Clare have considered this underage year a, a very good year so far. And then I suppose to, to Leinster, I suppose we've tipped that. We've, we've talk, I've talked on the... The minor final Friday night, I do think Galway come out there, but I suppose the two semi-finals are on last night. Wexford and Kilkenny, I suppose. I suppose revenge for Wexford, I think last year there was only a puck and a ball between them in the Leinster final. Um, I suppose they're getting a bit of revenge for that. Uh, Wexford started strong. Kilkenny had their chances, you know, I think it was just Wexford finished stronger with the you know three points, last three points in the game. But 
I think for Kilkenny, Billy Drennan was obviously a huge loss, you know, whether he'd be playing or not. But, um, you know, I think if he had been there, it could have been a different result. It's the second win for Wexford over this Kilkenny team in this campaign. So I suppose they've left no, you know, it, it wasn't a shock. But the two Kilkenny, Kilkenny goals halfway or through the second half, like, you would think Kilkenny were in poor position, but then a great individual goal from, from Twamley, you know, gave Wexford the kick it was needed. And I think Kilkenny had a, a late goal chance. We should have been scored. It was put straight at the keeper, but I think but either side the keeper was a goal and would have been a different result. But you know, I think a huge night for Wexford, you know, craving success at any age group. This is the probably same team they got to the Leinster final last year. I think they want to go on and do one more and uh, and win it. But they're going to come up against a a strong, I suppose, awfully side. Uh, probably a younger team than what the Wexford team are. And a really good battle with Dublin. Awfully played with the strong breeze in the first half, and they were. 12 points to 1 4 up at half time. I suppose we're all kind of asking, would it be enough with that with the breeze that Dublin were going to come out? But I think Charlie Mitchell's goal in 38 minutes was the you know the the turning point in the game. And I think similar to the seniors, awfully their the 20s, like they're really, really defensively sound like they're, they're really disciplined. And I think it forced they really forced Dublin to make a lot of bad decisions and make errors. Like anytime Dublin came at them, they'd have shut him down. And I think that was probably you know, it started from the back for, for Offaly and I think they just worked their socks off really and they were dogged in, you know, rooks, tackling and I think they just worked, they were the hardest work, working team and, you know, we've seen young guys coming on, Davin Ravenhill, who we know was in the, the minor last year, I think Adam Screeny, who was injured, actually didn't play, we, we know we've seen, we've heard Charlie Mitchell's name with the, with the senior team for the last few weeks coming on and, and making an impression, you know, one nine the other night, so huge player for them and I think it's great for, for Hurland to have, um, you know, two teams like um, Offaly and Wexford in, in the All-Ireland series, and basically one of them is going to be in the All-Ireland final. The under-20 final, it's going to be a tonic for Lancer Hurling, but I think Hurling in general, just to see the emergency here again of Wexford underage, I think it's been long overdue, to be perfectly fair, and also Offaly, look, they're continuing the great work that they were in minors last season, so, I mean, you can see the underage, you know, talent coming through there, and you can see it with Charlie Mitchell as well being very prominent with the, the Offaly seniors this year. I think that'll be a huge game uh, in the under-20s. But I suppose, look, I think the story for me is the Clare Miners. You know, when you consider 2021, Cork and Clare meeting and Cork winning by 40 points. Last season was an absolute transformation as well, by the way. I mean, penalty shootout away from winning a Munster minor title against Tipperary, who ultimately won the All-Ireland, getting to an All-Ireland semi-final, and then this year getting the job done in Munster and really in pole position, really to meet someone in the All-Ireland semi-final, getting to a final. So I think it's a wonderful story here for Clare, the GA, County Board, and everyone involved that the investment is being put in. I think massive, massive credit goes to management and the players here significantly. I suppose in terms of the Skullway team and the minors, it's been based up here, uh, Kieran. There's an awful lot of excitement in the county for this minor team. Just given the coaching setup, the backroom staff, there's an awful lot of star-studded players here. And the, that performs during Easter between Galway and Kilkenny in UPMC, Nolan Park, really set down the marker as well unless Kilkenny come with a far vastly improved performance, it'll, it's very hard not to, you know, dissuade from Galway winning there. And I, I do agree with you there in terms of the under-20s. I think that Cork team is an exceptional side. I would even call it a juggernaut, really. I think the physicality right down the middle of the park, I think it's going to be a tough evening for Clare. But again, 
Clare very battle hardened. I mean, that was a pretty physical, abrasive game against Tipperary uh, this week as well. And I mean, they were very clinical in terms of the goals, and Tipperary weren't, and that was the tail of the tape. So I think we've an awful lot of huge provincial finals coming up uh, next week here, Karen, and we'll definitely cover them in more detail. Absolutely. I think if you look at the Clare as well, the 20s team for the well, back to the Limerick game where they were five points down going into late in the game and they clawed it back for for, yeah. the, for the draw, like you know, which shows which shows good character, like and you know it's been a good week and a, and a good year for Clare. Oh, absolutely, and I mean, look the way the Clare sides minor under twenty senior they're riding the crest of a wave. I would not be all surprised if Clare pulled up the result against Cork. I mean, Cork are a very highly fancy team. That team up along has been a significantly high achieving team in terms of Forestal and various competitions right around the ranks. So I think it would be a shock, I think, if Clare were to win that under 20. But again, they've put themselves in position here, uh, Kieran, and I think that's in a very exciting final, similar with the Wexford uh, Offaly game as well. I think they're huge games and, you know, best luck to all the teams and we'll cover them next week. I suppose, Karen, we'll leave it there. It's been a lengthy one, but plenty to cover. I suppose next week we'll look at that Waterford Clare Bunce Senior Hurling Championship game. Get your thoughts on that. Also look at Joe McDonough Cup, the highs, the lows for the teams involved. Also, Munster Leinster Senior Hurling Championship will be back on next weekend. So we'll have an in-depth review there. So I suppose until then, Kieran, have a great weekend and we'll chat next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.